Microdermabrasion has been available for nearly 20 years. It has been used to treat fine wrinkles, acne scarring, and dyschromia. Recently, antioxidant infusion has been added to this technique. What are the benefits? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Bruce Friedman. Dr. Friedman is the Medical Director of Plastic Surgery Associates of Northern Virginia. He is certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery and is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons and the American Society for Laser Medicine and Surgery. He continues to perform research and lectures nationally on the latest developments in cosmetic surgery. Welcome. Well, thank you, Leslie. I appreciate being on your show. For those of us, Bruce, that aren't in cosmetic surgery, can you start off with just a kind of a basic review of dermabrasion? Well, surely. As a matter of fact, this whole area of, and I'm going to call it cosmetic medicine, has become of increasing interest to the general medical population. Around the country, more and more non-plastic and non-cosmetic surgeons are getting involved in anti-aging medicine and cosmetic medicine. So uh, much to your surprise, I would think, many primary care physicians, OBGYNs, uh, are actually getting affiliated with day spas or opening up areas of their office where they can offer their patients cosmetic enhancement, form of Botox, soft tissue fillers, and skin care improvement. And the technique for non-surgical skin care improvement that has become most ubiquitous has been microdermabrasion. Microdermabrasion uh, was founded back in the late 1980s, and it really was kind of a branch off of the concept of dermabrasion, where you actually kind of rubbed the skin with a steel wool rotor to try to polish it down. And this was really used for severe cases of acne. But obviously, the technique was so was invasive, and the recovery time uh, prolonged, and there were risks and complications associated with it, including scarring. So the manufacturers of the dermabrasion system saw, well, how can we actually tune this down so we can get some improvement, but without the downtime, without the cost, without the risks, and to be able to offer it to the general population who didn't have severe acne, but maybe had fine wrinkles, or maybe a few acne scars, or a few chicken pox, or things like that, or maybe even a few freckles or areas of sun damage. The technology behind microdermabrasion was developed, and for many years, uh, a stream of aluminum oxide crystals was blown over the skin. Then it was vacuum-sucked off the skin. Subsequently, non-crystal-type microdermabrasion units have been used, where still they're vacuum-powered, and the idea really is to abrade the superficial elements of the skin. We know that if you repetitively damage the um, epidermis and superficial dermis, you can actually reverse the effects of photo damage. And this is done by stimulating the epidermis and the superficial dermis in the skin to create more collagen. So fibroblasts will come into the uh, structure of the superficial dermis. They'll lay down new collagen, new elastin fibers, and the microdermabrasion process will also stimulate mitosis in the deeper layers of the epidermis to um, increase uh, epidermal turnover and smooth out the uh, epidermis and thicken it. In our particular studies, which we performed in like five or six years ago, some of the early studies on microdermabrasion, we noted that after a series of six microdermabrasion treatments, there was statistically significant increase in the thickness of the epidermis and in the thickness of the papillary dermis. As I mentioned before, increases in collagen and elastic fibers in the dermis and hyper or mitotic figures in the basal layer of the epidermis. So we saw a complete reduction in uh, the photoaging process with some replacement of the 
broken down collagen that you see uh, in the form of what we call elastosis following uh, sun exposure and sun damage, and an overall improvement in the skin both histologically and clinically. So microdermabrasion then really took off, and I guess uh, for the early part of this decade, we've seen this rapid increase in the use of microdermabrasion as a non-invasive form of, of facial rejuvenation to the point where we see it now in spas all over the country. Again, not only plastic surgeons' offices, but even primary care physicians' offices and, and OBGYNs. So this has really set the foundation for cosmetic medicine around the country. And how many treatments would it take to get those kind of results? Most of the studies, of which are only about 50 in the, in the world, show about six treatments will give you uh, the optimum amount of improvement. Now, after that period of time, you can go without a treatment for 90 days without, still without losing any significant thickness in the epidermis and dermis. But most people, once they have their initial series, will maintain themselves with a variety of home products, such as the retinols or glycolic acids, to kind of keep the skin smooth and to um, you know, maintain some of the positive effects they gain from microdermabrasion. After the microdermabrasion era had started, people started looking for ways to improve it. A series of studies was performed looking at adding light chemical peels to the patient's skin after the microdermabrasion. The thought was that if you perform microdermabrasion and stimulated the skin and made it and refreshed it, if you added some other compounds on top, for example, vitamin C or glycolic acid, maybe you could have a synergistic effect. Some people are even using light lasers or other forms of light sources in conjunction with microdermabrasion to improve the effects too. And you can, thereby you can create a synergistic improvement or geometric improvement by looking at the synergy between different sources. This is what kind of inspired the study to look at the antioxidants. I think that, as you know, you can't turn on the television or read a magazine without seeing the potential benefits of antioxidants, whether it's in cereal or blueberries. <laughs> or you know, any sort of cream sold by L'Oreal or Oil of Olay. And the positive effects of antioxidants are being touted all the time. So my feeling was if we already have a mechanism to improve the skin somewhat in the form of microdermabrasion, and we're told that just applying an antioxidant to the skin might be beneficial by itself, what if I combine the two? And we took and looked at the improvement we might see by just using these two fairly simple uh, modalities. How is this done in a, in a practical sense, Bruce? We, like I said before, we have the microdermabrasion technique down well, and the microdermabrasion platforms are readily available from different vendors in the United States. The question really is how do we apply the antioxidant, and what is the science behind antioxidant application? We already know what the science is behind the microdermabrasion treatments. Well, the concept behind antioxidants is that these particular compounds, and there are many of them, for example, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, among others, supposedly uh, pick up the free radicals in the tissue that's formed as a, as a result of ultraviolet sun exposure. And by picking up these free radicals or neutralizing them, they'll basically prevent those free radicals from destroying uh, the lipid membranes of the cells and some of the enzyme systems that can regenerate uh, different compounds such as vitamin E. So you can take an antioxidant, for example, orally and ingest it. But the problem with that is only a small fraction of what you ingest orally gets to your skin. For example, if you took 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C orally, you still would just get very little vitamin C that could be measured in the skin. And that's been documented uh, scientifically. The best way to deliver an antioxidant to the skin is via cutaneous application. 
And the, the only problem with that is, of course, is our skin has a protective barrier. And that protective barrier is meant to protect us from the environment, including anything you put on it. Mm-hmm. So with microdermabrasion, stripping off the stratum corneum and making the superficial layer of the skin a little more permeable or receptive to agents, it only seemed likely that if we applied antioxidants to the skin, we would be able to get an increase in their effects and activities. And that's what we did. So we perform a microdermabrasion technique on the skin, and then immediately afterwards, we apply an antioxidant solution, which is kind of pressed into the skin uh, via a handpiece. And so we can actually kind of push it through the skin. Um, Now, it's not quite the same as iontophoresis or phonophoresis, which actually can be used to push chemical compounds through the skin. It's a slightly different technique again, using vacuum power. We did not tag these compounds you know, radioactively, so we didn't take biopsies to look at the amount of activity or the presence of the medications in the skin. What we did is we can, in our study, we compared controls, meaning you know, no treatment, to patients treated with microdermabrasion alone to then the same patients on a split-face model treated with microdermabrasion plus the antioxidant application. So we used each patient as his or her own control. And what we found was about a 30% improvement in all parameters on this patient, on the side of the patient's face that was treated with the antioxidant in addition to the, the microdermabrasion versus the side of the face where there was only microdermabrasion. And we measured it three ways. We looked at you know, a clinical assessment via photography and the measurements of different uh, qualitative parameters uh, we looked at the quantitative parameters, thickness of the epidermis and dermis, presence of mitotic figures in the epidermis, presence of collagen fibers in the, in the dermis. And then we also did something interesting. We took Raman spectroscopy and we measured the antioxidant levels in the skin as determined by a spectrometer. And we found, again, a, approximately a 30% increase in the antioxidant levels based on that particular model. And that model suggest a correlation between antioxidant levels in the skin and those in the blood. So it's been verified in, in previous um, kind of u- university models. So you'd have to believe that the spectroscopy model works, and if you do, then you would infer that we had higher antioxidant levels in the skin. Yeah, did patients notice a difference on the split-face treatment? They did. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we first started doing our microdermabrasion studies alone several years ago, patients noticed the difference when we did microdermabrasion by itself on a split-face model. And so although we did not look at that in this study, we were just looking at microdermabrasion more as the baseline and then adding the antioxidants, I would say that relatively speaking, the patients were much more excited about the combination of microdermabrasion with antioxidant rather than even the the microdermabrasion alone. So it it was pretty impressive. It seemed like they noticed results a little bit more quickly on the antioxidant-treated side. Their skin was a little smoother, felt a little tighter, and uh, they noticed kind of a decrease in their fine wrinkles and dyschromia. So uh, it's very exciting. And, and as a matter of fact, I'm in the process of writing up those findings right now. Yeah, tell us about the cocktail. Is this something um, that you've cooked up, or is it available to the rest of us? Well, actually, it's a proprietary cocktail. It's actually uh, furnished to me by a company called the Edge Corporation. They make a, a microdermabrasion system called the Hydrofacial. And uh, this particular study was performed with that, that technology. So uh, the previous studies we've done were performed with more traditional microdermabrasion machinery that was available, I should say, around the turn of the century, but you know, <laughs> right. around the year 2000. Uh, but, for example, some of the products that were in 
the antioxidant solution were, um, and, and this is interesting, Camellia sincinus, which is calming white tea. And I learned a lot about the antioxidants. Horse chestnut extract, vitamin A, vitamin E, of course, uh, and rosemary, which some people yeah. feel is also a, um, a lipid regenerator or an antioxidant. So, you know, these were, a lot of them were homeopathic agents. Uh, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense because a lot, a, a lot of the extracts that we use are really from herbs and plants and are homeopathic by nature. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work, you can always have it for lunch, maybe. <laughs> it smells great. <laughs> I want to thank our guest, Dr. Bruce Friedman. We've been discussing enhancements to microdermabrasion. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.